Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Eric Moriarty, who's Vice President at B-Stock Solutions. And today we're going to talk about dealing with holiday returns, the case for technology-based liquidation. So now we're just a few days away from, uh, from Christmas here, and all the data suggests that we're in for another record year of you know, e-commerce and online orders. And uh, more than likely, we're also gonna, it's going to be a record year for uh, product returns as well, which is a big challenge uh, for retailers. Uh, but unfortunately, many of them lack the, the systems and the processes and the expertise to manage the returns process in an efficient and, and intelligent manner. Um, so, uh, and this is particularly true you know, when it comes to li liquidations. Uh, so how big is this problem and what actions can retailers take? And, um, you know, how is technology playing a role in helping uh, retailers and, and other companies manage this process more, more intelligently and efficiently? Well, those are the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Eric uh, on the program, who's on the front lines of this there at his role at, at B-Stock Solutions. Uh, so I look forward to the conversation. So, Eric, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Uh, thanks, Adrian. I uh, appreciate you having me. Uh, so, Eric, uh, you're a first-time guest here on Talking Logistics, and like I always do, I'm always curious how people, you know, uh, get involved with this industry to begin with. So, you know, be before we dive into the, the topic, I mean, why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about your career path, you know, how and why did you get involved with this, this industry, and what's your kind of current role and responsibilities there at B-Stock? Yeah, so, you know, my, my whole career, uh, I've been involved in marketplaces, um, I actually grew up in a family business where my family runs an outdoor antiques and collectibles show where we bring together buyers and sellers of antiques and collectibles on a, on a plot of land that we own. Um, and that dates all the way back to the, the 80s and, and early 90s. And fr from there, I, I joined eBay in 1998. Uh, and with a team of people, we launched eBay's category management program where you know, we were, you know, responsible for growing and, and managing and, and in some cases incubating new categories on the site. Um, and that's ultimately what led me here to B-Stock. You know, a lot of the core team here at, at B-Stock used to work at eBay. Uh, so I joined B-Stock in 2010 and, you know, it was about a year and a half into the company's uh, existence and I've worn many hats over the years. Uh, including managing several of the marketplaces that, that we operate, um, as well as you know, onboarding and uh, new enterprise clients. And that's where I focus my time today. Great, great. So uh, obviously this is something that's in your, in your uh, uh, family history, in your lifeblood, and, and now you've brought it into kind of the, the modern and, and technology world here with you know, online marketplaces and you know, the heritage from eBay and now, now B-Stocks. That, that's great. And, and, you know, this whole marketplace uh, arena, uh, obviously, in the supply chain logistics realm has, you know, has existed for a while as well, particularly with the whole dot-com, you know, boom back in the late 90s, early 2000s. There were, you know, a ton of marketplaces and exchanges that were going to completely transform and disrupt the, particularly the transportation industry. And a lot of those, you know, went, went by the wayside. But, but those that, uh, you know, survived are those that I, I kind of tend to use a different uh, terminology, I, I use it kind of an operating network or a community, you know, that, that brings part, you know, uh, uh, trading partners together to execute business processes in more efficient ways. And, and certainly, uh, I think, you know, what we're going to be talking about here is a good, a good example of, of that. Um, 
So, so let's go right into the, the, the topic. I mean, all the headlines right now about how retailers and, and the parcel carriers are, are kind of struggling to keep up with the record, uh, you know, amount of uh, online orders and deliveries, you know, for, for the holidays. I mean, there was articles in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was uh, just a week or two ago about, you know, UPS struggling. And then there was an article in Bloomberg about Walmart, you know, and, and you know, having record orders, but, you know, that, that putting a strain on, on the network as well. Um, but, but we all know that, you know, that there's an equally big story to follow, and that is, you know, dealing with all these, you know, returns that, that are, you know, part of the e-commerce story here. I mean, how big of a problem is this? It's really big, and it's growing uh, every year. So there's a couple macro trends in retail right now that uh, are acting as tailwinds to this growing customer returns problem. Uh, for one, uh, trends towards e-commerce. So e-commerce has you know, in the neighborhood of a 30% customer return rate, whereas brick and mortar is closer to 10%. So as more and more people buy things online, the volume of returns coming back, uh, you know, after, you know, people originally purchased inventory uh, is going up. Um, additionally, the, uh, the marketplace is really competitive. Things are really competitive out there. So companies are doing everything they can to capture the mind share of the customer. And one of those things is offering a really lax, customer return policy. So these are just a couple of macro trends that are uh, kind of acting as tailwinds. And the, the customer returns uh, market is, is very large. And, you know, during the holidays, it's probably about double uh, it is during normal times. So somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 billion is going to come back after Christmas this year. So unless a company has an efficient and effective solution in place for dealing with, with that inventory, once it comes back, it's going to have a really negative impact on their bottom line. Yeah, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, numbers in, in, that, in that realm as well. I mean, you, I mean, you're really talking billions uh, of dollars here. And uh, I know, you know, last year, I remember my daughter was, uh, you know, shopping for dresses for a, uh, her uh, a junior prom. And uh, she would order three or four dresses, you know, that she saw yeah. online with the expectation of finding that, that perfect one and then returning, you know, all the other ones. So I think that's become yeah. kind of the norm you know, these days is uh, particularly with these, you know, free shipping and, and very generous return policies that uh, retailers have, right? That's exactly right. Or, or the ugly sweater that you get from grandma at Christmas, right? Companies are making it really easy for you to return these things and, and people are. Now, are you seeing, um, you know, uh, returns? Uh, uh, I mean, is it across all product categories? Or do you see certain product categories being returned more? Uh, what, what, what's your sense there? Yeah, so you know, it is across all product categories. Of course, some have higher customer return rates than others. Uh, apparel is obviously right at the top of the list, but consumer electronics, um, all you know, home and garden uh, items, all, all kinds of inventories actually returned um, from consumers. But it, there, it does vary depending on you know the category. Right, right. So, so what happens to all these products that, that, that get returned? I mean, what, what are some of the, the actions that retailers typically take? I mean, do they put it back on the shelf? Do they, you know, send it to their outlet stores? Do they liquidate them? Yeah, all of the above. So there's a wide variety of things that companies do with this inventory once it comes back. Um, like you said, they can, you know, process each unit one at a time and put it back on the shelf and sell it to a consumer. Uh, they might have negotiated a, a contract with their vendors so that they can return the items to the vendor once it comes back from the consumer. 
uh, or, or they can liquidate it. So companies are using all of these channels. And one of the things that we're finding is that companies might be mismanaging uh, their inventory once it does come back because they're not uh, factoring in all of the costs that go into some of these channels. So for example, if you take that item back and you put it back on the shelf, there's a lot of cost that, that goes along with that. You, know, you have to warehouse all that inventory. Uh, there, if it's an e-commerce transaction, you have to ship it to, to the customer. Um, customer service costs. So there's a whole bunch of costs that go into it that make the top line recovery that they're getting with that channel a little bit deceiving. Same with the return to vendor contracts. Um, you know, when, when they're negotiating return to vendor contracts to give them the right to return that inventory to the vendor and get 100% credit, they're really not recovering 100%. There's a lot of costs that the vendor is factoring in when they're pricing out their cost of goods sold. So what's happening is because they're not factoring in uh, some of the costs associated with these other channels, it's causing them to sort of misallocate inventory. And, you know, what we're finding is that, you know, particularly with some newer methods of liquidation out there, uh, that are actually increasing recovery for that channel, uh, more and more companies are allocating inventory to the liquidation channel. You know, that, that's a great point. I mean, because, uh, you know, there's so much focus on, you know, uh, uh, total cost, right? Total cost to serve, total landed cost. A lot of these things are all kind of the, on the, on the uh, outbound side of the supply chain, on the sourcing and then ultimately fulfilling, you know, customer orders. And, and even there, you know, there's a lot of black holes and a lot of, uh, you know, challenges that companies have in terms of really, you know, getting a true cost in terms of their processes. And I think to your point, I think it's even that there are even more black holes or poor assumptions being made, you know, on the return side that can lead to some of these inefficient, you know, decisions that are being made. That's, that's exactly right. So there was a study by KPMG that said that, you know, it costs twice as much to process a return as it does to sell it. And so, you, know, you may be recovering 70% of MSRP as a top line recovery, but when you factor in all of the costs, uh, it actually is a much lower recovery rate. When you look at the bottom line recovery. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got things like obviously return shipping, you've got, you know, the, the labor uh, to, to, to uh, you know, handle that. You might have some, you know, damage that gets uh, done because of the additional handling you know, so on and so forth. Uh, so, I mean, I think there is a, it, it's a very complicated, uh, complicated picture. Um, now, now you talked about liquidation. So I, let's talk a little bit about that. I, I'm not sure, you know, many people understand kind of the liquidation market. I mean, how, how big is it? How, how does the process typically work? And I mean, what, what are some of the, the challenges involved? Yeah. So, so ev everybody liquidates, whether it's customer returns or, overstock inventory or damaged goods or capital assets even, you know, everybody, you know, all retailers and manufacturers kind of liquidate in some form or, or another. Um, there are some newer methods out there that are, are bringing efficiency to a previously inefficient process. So traditionally what retailers and manufacturers used to do is they would sell this inventory in bulk to a, a large liquidator uh, or maybe a handful of jobbers. And all those companies are doing is they're breaking that inventory up into smaller lots and then marking it up and selling, selling it to a bunch of resellers. And those resellers are ultimately the companies who sell the inventory one at a time to the end customer. So they're really just middlemen. 
And, and what some of these newer methods are doing is they are connecting those resellers who pay the highest price for the inventory directly with the retailer. Um, and, you know, those liquidators, they're professional negotiators. So they're going to tell you everything in the book to buy the inventory as low a price as possible. And that's why that channel typically has yielded pennies on the dollar. Uh, but with some of these newer methods, it's actually increasing the recovery because it's making those resellers compete against each other. So rather than the liquidator negotiating you down on price, the resellers are bidding against each other. So, and there's millions of them out there. So creating that competition um, you know, bring, brings a greater level of efficiency. And additionally, there's a lot of opportunity for data analytics uh, as well to, to just sort of bring efficiency to the process to optimize recovery. So, so as part of the, I mean, so if, if I, if I hear you correctly, I mean, part, part of the challenge was, I mean, obviously you have all of these, you know, thousands, if not millions of potential resellers uh, out there. And I, and I assume these could be, you know, local retailer, your mom and pop shops and, and others that, you know, <clears throat> you know, want to be able to sell this on a more, you know, smaller scale, if you will, you know, they may want to buy just a pallet of, of goods and, and things like that. But for the large retailer that's liquidating for them historically to have to connect to try to negotiate or try to reach that broader market historically that that would have been too time consuming too uh, inefficient you know in terms of trying to build that density if you will that community of potential buyers and that's in some ways kind of how this the internet and everything you know what we talked about uh, uh, at the beginning you know the the communities and the marketplaces come in right that's exactly right so that's kind of you know how technology is being applied uh, to to the liquidation landscape, just like it's being applied everywhere else. So, you know, some of these newer methods, and there's lots of them. B stock is one of them. But what they're really doing is they're automating a lot of those manual tasks that you know used to be done by phone, fax, and email. Um, so it's just you know operational efficiency is one big component. Um, and because it's an online auction marketplace, you know that's all automated too. So, you know, when the, the resellers are placing their bids, it's just as easy to accept bids from 5,000 resellers through these online auction marketplace uh, models as it is to manually process the bids of, you know, a handful of liquidators. So, and, and in a lot of ways, what that's doing is it's democratizing the liquidation landscape, right? It's, you know, if you're, if you're the highest bidder, you're going to win the inventory. So, you know, these are just a couple of the things that are going on that really bring efficiency to the, you know, previously inefficient process. And, and like I said, B-Stock is one of those solutions. We operate private online auction B2B marketplaces for each individual client. Um, and those resellers can now bid directly from them and they're making more money. Typically, our clients are making anywhere from a 30 to 80% price increase over how they used to do it. Well, yeah. So I want to I want to get into you know kind of what are some of the what's the business case or the uh, you know what, what what metrics are impacted here. But but staying with the technology a little bit. Obviously, you've got the you know the marketplace um, as kind of being the, the foundation. And I, I assume that there's you know other types of technology. I mean, you mentioned data and analytics and, and things like that. I mean, how, how is technology? You know, what are some of the other components of technology to help me to transform this process? Yeah, so, you know, in addition to driving all the additional demand that I was just talking about, um, one of the things that the technology allows us to do is, is track everything. 
So we study the data Be behind all the marketplaces that we operate. And, you know, right now we work with nine of the top 10 retailers in the United States, along with dozens of other major retailers and, and manufacturers. So it's a lot of volume, right? And so we there's a lot of data to study. And we've been studying data dating all the way back to the early days of eBay. Um, but behind all these marketplaces is this data. And we study the data to figure out what is the optimal way to sell the inventory to maximize recovery for our clients. So you could take the same inventory with the same buyer base and then sell that inventory two different ways and get two completely different results. So how you do it really matters. And that's one of our greatest strengths that B-Stock is, is we bring all that knowledge to the table uh, and we help our clients, you know, optimize recovery uh, through that data, data analytics process. So is the, um, uh, so is the kind of with the examples you just talked about there, um, you know, is it a question of using the technology to figure out, you know, what the price is at or, you know, uh, you know, kind of how, how big the lot size should be? I mean, what, what's the, how does that work? Yeah, um, all, all of those. So, you know, we study all kinds of variables, um, you know, behind all of the marketplaces that we operate. And, and we work with, you know, nine of the top 10 retailers in the U.S., along with dozens of major uh, manufacturers and retailers. And behind all the marketplaces that we run is, a, is an enormous amount of data. So we study that data to figure out, you know, what is the optimal way to sell the inventory to maximize recovery for our client. So just to give you a couple of examples, um, we have one client who sells apparel and the data suggested that if we broke out the children's clothing from the men's and women's clothing, that they would get higher prices. And when we did, uh, prices went up 33%. So they were previously selling it all jumbled together. When we broke it out separately, prices went up. Uh, all we changed was how it was the same buyer base, same inventory. All we changed was how it was being sold. Uh, another client, you know, sells food and sundries. They used to sell them mixed together. When we broke the inventory out, there's two separate lots, one with food, one with sundries. Prices went up 77%. So these are significant price increases when all you're doing is changing, you know, how you're doing it. Um, and it's not just about increasing prices. You know, we have some clients who are really benefiting from, from increases in velocity. So, you know, all the demand that we I was telling you about before that we bring to the table, um, what that enables our clients to do is actually drive more volume through the, the pipe, so to speak, and without sacrificing recovery because uh, the demand base can handle the increased volume. So we have one client who's actually been able to shut down two of their warehouses and they now move all of the inventory uh, through just one of their warehouses. So this is just a couple examples of, of how, you know, leveraging data to, to optimize recovery and really optimize the whole channel is, um, you know, one of the key things that we do at B-Stock. Well, yeah, those are, those are some great examples. And it's kind of getting to kind of what was going to be my next question. So I don't know if you have more to add to that, but my next question was going to be, you know, ultimately what's the business case here, right? Which, which metrics are impacted? So if I'm, I'm going to, you know, talk to the CFO or CEO of my company, I mean, what, um, uh, you, you know, what, what's, what's the key takeaway here from a, from a business case standpoint? Yeah. So, you know, there's all kinds of value that these solutions provide, you know, operational efficiency, they, you know, bring buyer diversity to the equation. Uh, they actually 
create brand control, a greater level of brand control. Uh, but the, the number one metric is, is it making them more money versus their old way of doing it? At the end of the day, you know, if they're not making more money, um, it's not worth it. You know, they, they should really be making more money versus how they used to, to handle this type of inventory. Great. great. Like said, fortunately for us, it works. You know, our clients are getting typically 30 to 80% price increases when they switch to our solution. Yeah, you know, m- m- money talks, right? At the end of the day, and if you can, uh, if you can boil it down to dollars and cents, and and you can prove the value proposition there, I'm sure that uh, it, it's not that difficult to get the uh, CFO or the CEO on, on board to, uh, you know, uh, move along and, and improve their, uh, their 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 existing you know liquidation process. You know, Eric, we're running short on time here, so I'm just going to go right back, uh, to my last question here. You know, as a as a way to wrap up, I mean, what question should you know, supply chain logistics executives or those that are responsible for, you know, liquidation, uh, you know, ask themselves to assess whether their, you know, current approach to liquidation is as effective as it should be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess most importantly is, you know, are they happy with the current recovery rates that they're getting? I mean, are they looking for margin, you know, new places to find margin in their business? Because this is, you know, a stone that was previously not, you know, uh, turned over to, to look for margin and, and there's newer methods out there that are, are, uh, making this a much more, um, higher recovery channel than it used to be. So, you know, the other thing I would say is, do they have, you know, a small number of buyers that they're, and are those buyers constantly negotiating them down in price? Um, cause ultimately that's what those companies do They're That's how they make money. So, you know, if any of these things are, are, are issues for them, they should be, looking at some of these newer methods of liquidation out there because you know, really successful companies are, are having a lot of success with it. No, great points. And you, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping up my supply chain logistics predictions for, for 2018. I'm sure you'd be happy to know that um, uh, one of my predictions is that companies will take a smarter approach to product returns and, and liquidation in, in 2018 because of all the, the statistics that we talked about earlier and how big of a challenge and problem this is and how big of an opportunity is if, if they do it right. So, uh, you know, I, you know, we've come to the end of our time here. And like I always say, we always just manage to scratch the surface on the topics that we, we talk about, but, but I think you provide some great insights and advice and, and food for thought on, on this topic. So again, thank you very much for making the time to be with us today. Thank you, Adrian. I appreciate it. Uh, and I want to thank uh, those of you, you that are joining that joined us. Um, if you are watching this episode on demand at the B-Stock Solutions website or on Talking Logistics and you've got a question or a comment for Eric, uh, you can post it there and I'm sure that he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.